to Pod Be With You. This is Paige from the Congregational Church of Batavia. In some ways, we never left. And so- <laughs> this is Aaron from the First Congregational <laughs> Church of Dundee. And you'll find us both sitting here in our church merch. Uh, we are. I know. Probably already exists, but that's a, that's a, a term we coined this week. Here's oh, our church merch. Oh, you're wearing your Congregational Church of Batavia. You are welcome yep, here. Absolutely. Rainbow and you're wearing radiating out from the actually it's the progr- it's all the Progress Pride. It is all the Progress of, Pride, right, yep. Radiating out from the steeple. Yep. And I've got my get together, get inspired, get to work hoodie. hoodie. I know. Uh, it's fun. We didn't even plan this. It just happened. We did not, but here we are sporting our team colors. <laughs> And very happy about it. And back from a conference in Florida, which we were just talking about, which I really hope you can make next year. I'm going to do everything I can to make it happen. Yeah. If you're part of the Dundee Church, you you heard me say this probably on this in the sermon on Sunday. But it's a it's a rejuvenating time. It's a um, it's a touchstone of the year for me. And there's so much to learn, so many good ideas, and so many. Like, just I come back with more ideas than I have ambition for, or time for, or <laughs> and I don't want to scrap the million things we have going. But I come back with so many cool new ideas. But yeah. if none of that, if nothing else, I come back with this lasting impression that I am not alone. Yeah. And the church is not alone. And what we're going through, we're not alone in what we're going through. This yeah. is. questions about engagement, questions about the nature of how people will relate to church, online versus in person, the decimated youth programs that are slow to children and youth programs that are slowest to build back after COVID. So all of that, I mean, without exception, it seemed like that was the experience. And these were 40 of the quote unquote most successful churches in the United States at UCC churches in the in the US and yeah, we are in this together. Which yeah. it is a in its own way a very comforting thing. I don't know what the right word for it all the time, but it's it's reassuring in a way yeah. when we think it's just us. Exactly. Or that we're doing this alone and rolling a rolling a boulder uphill and yeah, nobody to, else is here. I don't know. It it, it... <sighs> When I hear things like that, when I when I engage in communities like that, it's not just the reminder that I'm not alone, but that there is the spirit is at work, mm. and this is not this is not a a season of discouragement. That there is actually some really wonderful stuff happening, and you know God is continuing to work in among and through us in some really nifty ways, um, and and so that's always a really uh, encouraging and. Uh, inspiring thing to be able to do so i'm glad we're able to do that plus you you were in florida i was in florida i was trying not to uh emphasize not to say that that part uh (laughs) but um yeah we are yeah it is one thing to say we're not alone but i think your point is is the best is that it's a it's a healthy perspective it's a healthy reminder that this is also much bigger than us what god is doing in the world is much bigger than us. So part of it is like, we're alone, we're doing this. And then there's a healthy reminder that says, first of all, you're not alone. And second of all, and this is more important, it's not really about you. Like yeah. the, you are playing a part, but listen, this is much bigger. Than yeah. you. That's so true. Yeah. And now we're back, back at it in the new year still, and actually on the same scripture what? in the first time for what feels like forever. forever. Yeah. And we are reading the call story. I don't know what you did last week. Last week, we did a calling of the first disciples story from the Gospel of John. Yeah, we did that. We did okay. that, too. Um, 
Which is, it's so weird because it, it feels like in a lot of ways, there are three weeks in a row that you're preaching the same thing. Because you have the baptismal story and then you have the John thing, yes. which has part baptism, part call. Right. And then you go right into the call story in Matthew. And and uh, I know in years past, I've kind of sat with this particular um, uh, set of scriptures and gone, Ugh, it's the same darn thing over and over. Except it isn't. Um, and uh, and it's not just because John's perspective is radically different and he's telling the story in a different way. But there's there's so much meat on the bones in these particular oh goodness, things. Yes. And it, there's a lot going on. So I'm excited. I, this is probably more church nerdy than will actually make it into the sermons because people don't care or they weren't here for one or the other. But it is fascinating to hold these two versions yeah. of a similar story together in what way ways are the same? Are they different? Mm-hmm. And how are these different takes on what Jesus' life meant and what it felt like to be around him and the different roles that different people played? It is fascinating. So... Here's the version from Matthew, and let's kind of comment as we go through, like break it down a little bit as we go. So, now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. Let's start there. Let's start there. Whoa! Very different from Jesus beginning his ministry in John, in the Gospel of John, different John, no relation, (laughs) uh, declaring that, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Right. You know, this is the one at his baptism that I saw the Holy Spirit descend upon and remain upon. Mm-hmm. Th- this is different. And John actually sending the his disciples to become Jesus' first disciples, saying, yes. there he is, go. Yes. And, and, and this, this is, is the one who was over me because he was before, before me. me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of that. All I, that I, wonderful yeah. Johnny language. But uh, and this is radically different. It, uh, it starts with this catalyst. And we talked about this in Bible studies, uh, you know, what a significant thing that is and how it may have functioned, that, that John is arrested and that seems to, in some ways, have been the, 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 the inspiration for, the, yeah. for Jesus going, okay, let's get this show on the road. And um, I don't know if it really worked that way, but it sounds like it. It sounds like there's that, that sort of, and, and we talked about what a dangerous thing it was for Jesus to be stepping in right after John's arrest, too, mm. because he's preaching the same message. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven For the kingdom of heaven. Here. And he is stepping right into this vacuum. Seems uh, to be literally picking up the mantle and the mission statement of yeah. John's ministry at this, right after John is arrested. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, saying, I'll take it from here. Oh, dangerous stuff. Yes. Wow, I love it. And it it is also, I think, important to note that in either gospel— Jesus doesn't really, in any gospel, Jesus doesn't really begin until John's ministry is concluded or halted. I mean, however you want to call it. Um, And here he is then either taking the reins or filling that void or the time is not. It's really fascinating to think of Jesus waiting on anybody. I know. I know. Or anything. Yeah. Right? let alone doing all the things that sound like being a disciple of John the Baptist. It does. We don't necessarily think of Jesus as ever having to follow anyone but God or listen to or be taught by. But of course he was. Right. His entire life. Yeah. And so another one of our Even Jesus cards, right? <laughs> even Jesus did this. Even, Je- even Jesus followed. Yeah. Even Jesus knew what it was like 
to be a disciple, yeah. not just a teacher who led disciples. So, but here he begins, and he begins in this Matthew way of everything that, okay, in the Gospel of John, sometimes everything that happens is for a reason, and it's because Jesus knew beforehand that this would happen, and it's all very cosmic and mystical. In the Gospel of Matthew, at least as this author tells it, almost everything Jesus does is in order to fulfill something that the prophets said, right? It's yeah, all exactly. about yep. fulfilling that messianic expectation, mm-hmm. trying to demonstrate to his Jewish listeners or readers, this author is, why Jesus is the Messiah they were expecting. Yep. And so the way that he constructs the story is also to say, see, and that's that, what they said the Messiah would do, and, and that's what Jesus there did. There it happens. Which is why this, uh, you know, hence this next part. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. First of all, that's a be- that's a Christmas passage, right? We read that on Christmas Eve. We do. Uh, we come in and we we bust that out on Christmas Eve, and it's the story of the light coming and 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 the people walking. And darkness have seen a great light, and all of that it's in wonderful. Handel's Messiah. It, it, oh it's yeah, in, it's, it's so, oh um, to have it come back in. And again, we just talked about this. It's not really the epiphany season. Protestants sort of treat it like epiphany is a season uh, before we get into Lent. Well, and I think in part because the scripture lends themselves to, really a, to a theme that mm-hmm. extends through. It's not like, hey, epiphany was a day, and now we're on to something completely different. It, it does all kind of relate. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. here we have these the, the stories of revelation and uh, and appearance and people understanding what's happening and, and, and the beginning of the ministry. We have these stories of light that are, you know, really significant. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. So we have that. Um, but I also, I also think it's brilliant that um, Matthew is making a connection here between the story of the defeat of, by the Assyrians in, what, 730? Sure. Sure, why not? 730 BC. It's not like people have Google and can prove us wrong. Yeah, okay. Look it up. Look yeah. If you really want to know. Uh, where uh, the Assyrians swept in and kind of overtook the northern kingdom, which is Zebulun and Naphtali, and made them, uh, they were an oppressed, occupied people. And he's speaking to an oppressed and occupied people under mm. Rome. I mean, there's a... That's the other great connection that Matthew is doing here that I think is just brilliant and wonderful and, again, really thoughtful. Really thoughtful uh, parallel yeah. to right, this, this experience that they would have yeah. known about and remembered and, and indeed were experiencing. To yeah, say this is, a, this is the light dawning again. This again, is, yes. Right, this, is the, this is a new day. It is. So um, from that time, and here's where he then literally takes up John's... Mm-hmm. Message, from that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Which I'm sure we've spent time on before, but you want to talk about a a dense little mission statement to unpack, right? (laughs) Yeah. So start with repent, which means to turn around and go the other way. So turn your life around, Mm -hmm. right? For the kingdom of heaven much blood and ink have been spilled over what kingdom of heaven means. means. And Jesus would spend a good portion of the rest of his teaching ministry trying to get people to understand what he meant by the kingdom of heaven and what it was like and who was there and what it took to be a part of it 
to say yes to it, to say no to it, all of it, right? In fact, immediately after this, we're going to launch into the Sermon on the Mount in which we have a great and long explication of what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And it's not what people think, right? It is, it is this upside down place where, you know, the meek are honored and the peaceful and all of these sorts of things that people wouldn't necessarily associate with kingdom. Again, I'm making quotes in the air like you can see it. Um, <laughs> I think we can hear it in your voice by now. Yeah, yeah. but empire, right? This, You know, you've got the Roman empire that comes in with force and is making things happen. And there's this authoritarian and Jesus is coming in and saying, no, kingdom is something entirely different, at least God's kingdom. Very much set up in contrast. In contrast. Yes. And it's, it's just a beautiful, it's beautiful language. The other thing that I didn't realize, I was reading a couple Greek commentaries because, you know, that's fun to do. As you do. You read them so I don't have to. I appreciate that. And the, the repent here is in the plural. Mm. It's not just hey individual person repent from those things it is this it is this pluralized communal we all have we all to turn it around. we all have to turn <laughs> yeah. it around we all have to look at the world in a different way we have to change our minds literally mm-hmm. and that is not just saying oh i'm doing something wrong that i need to change it's i have to see the world in a radically different way. And it's not just me, it's all of us at the same time. So very cool stuff. Very cool stuff. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. In other places, he says, is at hand. Right. Right. Drawn near is is present to us in a way. Maybe there's no bigger uh, sort of thematic shift or um, systemic shift that we can make is away from heaven being... That place we go when we die, if we do our life right, Mm -hmm. to the kingdom of heaven being here and now and amidst and through the world and and an immediate possibility. Mm -hmm. I mean, when Jesus talks about heaven, he is talking about a lived possibility, a lived communal, social, earthly possibility. He is not talking about someplace in the sky you go. If you are good and God exactly. loves you, right? Yeah. So maybe there's no bitter, bigger conceptual shift mm-hmm. that we need to make when we talk about heaven than that every time Jesus is talking about heaven, he is talking about the realm of God. Yeah. Which is not after this. No, it's, it's in our in midst and through this. Now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's the backbone of John's ministry. In some ways, that's the backbone of all the prophets' ministry, right? You uh-huh. could you could frame it, I think, that way. And this is where Jesus begins. Yeah. Not with, hey, I'm the son of God, follow me or die. Um, <laughs> he begins by, and this was the point that I made last week, that Jesus was never alone. Jesus never went it alone. He right. never tried. He had his family. He had John the Baptist. He had his community. And then when he starts to head out on his own... He doesn't head out on his own. No. He has c- comrades that come with him. Um, and that's really significant. Yeah. So but I think we forget that too. We see him as sort of a lone easy. wolf figure, but he really isn't. Doesn't mean he wasn't lonely at times, right. frustrated at times. Other, But no, but he's, the first thing he did was surround himself with community mm-hmm. and a com- you know, with people that he loved. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, 
Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from the boat with their father Zebedee, oh, excuse me, as he went on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Start with that. Double immediately. Uh, yeah. Right? Immediately Simon and Andrew leave their nets and followed him. And then immediately uh, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, follow him. Which has been uh, a point of much consternation for uh, biblical scholars and people who are preaching to try to explain how it happens that Jesus kind of comes upon these four guys and doesn't seem to have any prior relationship with them. Mm. At least at least not according in in John there's a little bit of a hey this is the guy we knew this, you through yeah. yeah he came on a recommendation. He came on a recommendation. <laughs> yeah. Word of mouth is the best. John John yeah, yeah LinkedIn but, recommended him. Yeah. But but here we it almost sounds like he's kind of stumbling upon them and there's this what is it that compels these four men to drop everything mm. and i don't i think that that's really important too um they're dropping everything mm-hmm. livelihood connection family all of this stuff that is so significant to especially that time and place when you talk about family and they're just letting it all go and um and what is it about jesus there's mystery there um and i love it right <laughs> yes there really is i find it fascinating it is always no matter how many times we preach on this, lead Bible studies on it. In my experience, it is always what people ask about first. Yes. Is how is this possible? Yeah. How did they do this immediately? Uh, what what would compel them? What was it? that, that I mean, there is something really tantalizing yeah. about that's so unusual. And, and of course, there's a lot of gaps in the story. Right. Um, Jesus seemed to have been there for a while. He didn't just arrive at the Sea of Galilee and go, right. you, 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 you. Yeah. Right? And it's not necessarily a sprawling metropolis with hundreds of thousands of people, no. to my knowledge. So, and the lakeshore is a bit busy place. He could have been teaching there. There are some who have argued pretty convincingly, I think, that it's actually, it's more unlikely that they did not know each other. Like, of course they knew each other. They would have seen each other around. Maybe they listened, had been teaching in the synagogues, whatever it was. They were not complete strangers. And the authors would have assumed that we assumed that they all kind of knew each other. And so they didn't say anything about it one way or the other. Or in the thoughtful intentionality of Matthew's gospel, it if they knew each other, he would have said. They knew each other. And, yep. the, and, and so part of what makes this remarkable borderline miraculous is that it takes one call. He says, follow me. And they do it. Yeah. And, and that's the radical piece of it, that sometimes it's easy to take the teeth out of this story and, yes. and come up with reasons why it doesn't apply to us. Exactly. Which, which is exactly. really at the heart of it. Yeah. But we, we debated for, not debated, because who knows, but we, we wondered for a long time in Bible study what it was about Jesus. So many things we don't know. No. It, and we fill in so many gaps. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And all of it is interesting, uh, yeah. you know, and, 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 and leads us to different places uh, that are compelling. But yes, I, I, I love, 
I love that. And I again, I, I think we kind of miss out on the radical nature. There's something in here about the the, the guys leaving Zebedee. By mm-hmm. the way, one of my favorite things is that James and John in other places are referred to as the Sons of Thunder, which makes me think of like a, a tag team professional wrestling uh, duo. Absolutely. But, yeah. A great 80s movie. A and great by that I mean a bad movie. 80s yeah. movie. Well, there was Days of Thunder. That there was, was Days movie, of Thunder. Yes. Right. Yes. But um, uh, leaving their father is going to be, um, it's kind of a, 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 a presage. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said that right. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. Um, a foreshadowing of Jesus's radical um, ministry that is going to going to be, you know, if anyone puts their hand on the plow and looks back and says, I have to bury my father. Mm-hmm. I don't have brothers and sisters or a mother. I mm-hmm. have the disciples. I mean, really radical Anyone language. who has not left mother or brother father, or father yep. for my, for, or, and for the sake of the gospel. Yeah. yeah it's, it, it's, it's foreshadowing that piece of the ministry that says there are going to be things that divide families about who I am and what we're doing and the call to be uh, engaged with God. And that is just going to be real. Mm-hmm. And, and what takes priority? The call. Mm. And that relationship not these earthly relationships, which is really disturbing still to people. I hear over and over and over again folks trying to kind of backpedal on that and say, well, it's not anti-family. And it's not anti-family, but it's it's saying where, where the priorities lie is radically different than what we expect. Yes. And well, and I, I know that for me personally, it's very easy for me to use that to dismiss it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it. Wasn't married, doesn't have kids. No, he he doesn't, would, know. doesn't have... He's not watching his sons leave. He would feel very differently about it. At the, I mean, who knows? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of. I mean, was this what? Even what kind of personality does Jesus have? Was he gentle? Was he forceful? Was he passionate and abrasive? Was he? <laughs> was he charismatic in a way? Was he even? You know, what was his stature? Was he? Uh, was he? Good to look at, like these yeah. types of things that many people that that are harbingers of influence these days, right? So what was it about him that made people respond the way that they did? But then again, knowing that a lot of people said no. So many. Back to our another even Jesus. Even Jesus had people say no to him. Oh, yeah. Tons. All the time. Yeah. But they also crucified him. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But... There, there is, it is not just a given. He didn't walk around magic like poof, poof, poof. Every, now no. everybody believes he was irresistible. Jesus was very resistible. Oh, yeah. So, the majority of yes. people, in fact, were like, nope, not this guy. Yeah. Um, so what was, I mean, I know we're just imagining, but all of that in the, the realm of what would it have been like to know him yeah. and see him. There's a, there, there's a fun thing in here. Uh, uh, I remember growing up uh, singing in Sunday school. Um, uh, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me, mm-hmm. right? This song about, you know, all this other stuff. Um, and the chorus is, if you follow me, if you follow me. Right? So Jesus it's here. It's like I was there. It's like you were there. Jesus Jesus says, follow me. Um, that's not actually what he says. The Greek is a lot more abrupt. It says ah. something like, here, after me. Like, wake up, guys. It's time. <laughs> and, wow. Okay. Yeah. And Jesus, it's not this sort of gentle invitation to come and be part of what, follow me. Or even like the John, the come and see. Come and see. No, so, it's, yeah. it's like, it's time. Time to go. Yeah. Time to go. Wake up, guys. It, here, oh, fa- after me. And uh, and again, it's not it's not mean-spirited, but there's something of, um, of passion in it. And it's time. 
time. It, it's time for us to get going. It 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 it, it was really it it, it it energizing. Is yes. the word I'm looking for. Yeah, there yes. you go. Well, there is an urgency. Yes. Like Jesus was not passive, and and he may not have been. Uh, again, we fill in a lot of gaps with tone of voice and yeah. other things, but there's an undeniable urgency in yes. how he's going about his ministry. Yes. And again, for some reason, he has this sense that it is time. Yep. And when it's time to go, it's time to go. Yep. So I, I love that. I didn't know that. Isn't that, that fun? It is fun yeah. to say, all right, I'm here. Time to go. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> right? Well, and ready or not. But yeah. how often to extend? Well, two things. Let me pause on that real quick. The last verse in this is then, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Um, That's powerful. Too. It is powerful. And it, it, it shows, I think, the the wholeness and depth and breadth of Jesus' ministry. He was mm-hmm. not just walking around telling people what they had to do. Right. He really attended to the woundedness of people, the brokenness, the needs of people. Um, it's reductive, but people talk about Jesus' ministry as being a show-and-tell ministry, right? Where it's like, at first I'm going to show you, I'm going to demonstrate this power in a way that helps you, and then I'm going to tell you about the source of that power, right? It is one model for evangelism or outreach. People say, really tend to the needs that people have first, Mm -hmm. and then if there is an openness, then you can talk to them about your source of inspiration. But it's not a bunch of walking around finger-wagging, scolding. Right, exactly. It is about meeting people where they are and caring for them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Um, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. I mean, there's so much good stuff. We'll come back to this. But let's talk about this idea of call. And as we've said here before, how often the good news shows up like bad news. Yeah. Shows up like disruption. (laughs) Um, And how many times when God gets our attention, sometimes it is this gentle insistence, this persistence, this I will work on you over time until you grow into this. And sometimes it is, all right, time to go. Ready or not, time to change. Ready or not. We're doing it. Something new. Ready or not, this is. uh, And so often that call really comes as like that, not just the, hey, follow me if you'd like to, but um, things are changing. Yep. Time to go. Get on board. Many of our calls, again, are in life. Uh, Many are, some commentators have talked about this archetypally as the beginning of the hero's journey, which is the call to adventure, right? Right. Every story that starts, it was like any other day, or (laughs) I was just going about my business when, you know, and all of a sudden something disruptive could be good, could be horrible, but something outside of us Mm -hmm. changes us. It changes our life, forces us, could be, again, great opportunity, could be a tragedy, it could be a but something all of a sudden life is no longer the same and you are off you have to leave where you are and you are off to another you are off on an adventure yeah. and it will you know as the arc goes and it will wound you and it will change you and it will call you, you know help you to do great things and then you'll come home changed and all of those things yeah um, and we can see that in this story and in tons of other stories but i think if we talk about our own call stories and how they start as a call, a, a new season in life as being a call to adventure. Even when, for some of us, we don't want a new adventure. Yeah. That's Yet that seems very true to life. Yeah. Absolutely. I also like that embedded in this, sometimes I think within the 
the Christian church, we have this tendency to think that only certain people are called, mm. right? Um, we, 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 we ask our clergy people, well, when did you first understand and hear your calling? What's your, what's your story into calling? Or, uh, you know, people who have these specific things that they are, you know, great things that they're called into doing. Yeah. And we think that way. And I, what I love about this particular story is that everyone in it is called. And all the references are references of calling. So John the baptizer had a specific calling. Jesus himself is called. He then calls the other disciples. And even embedded within the story that we get from Isaiah, there is this weird mention at the end of this thing about as in the days of Midian, which is the story of the call of Gideon, which comes out of the book of Judges. Gideon, who was like, no, not me. I'm not the guy you're looking for. These are not the droids you're looking for. Right? And and what I love about this particular story is the real clarity that it's not just some special people that get called. It's all of us. It's another way of trying to keep that separate so we don't have to participate. Exactly, exactly right? Yeah. yeah. Which is very easy. Yeah. And so I, I, that's like I said, that when I was reading this story this time, I'm like, there are like four separate call stories embedded in this one call story. Mm. And the power of that to be able to get a moment to take a breath and, and that it happens multiple times in your life too. It's not just once that you hear the calling, but multiple times on our journey, we are called into different places and different ways of being in our, in our world. And we need to be attentive to that. Yes. I, and that's where I do love the language of follow me and that rendering of it, because it is, of course it's cliche, but cliche for a reason. It is the language of journey. And it's not a, he didn't just say, hey, do this, do this one thing. It was a call to a relationship, mm-hmm. to an ongoing journey, as I said, that, me, that will take them to many different places. Yeah. They will do many different things. It will withstand frustrations and misunderstandings and highs and lows and all the rest. They would go off and they would they would be healing them others and they would be calling others. And sometimes it would work and sometimes it very much would not work. <laughs> but it was a call to just say, walk with me the rest of your life. Yeah. And I think that that is a, a fair rendering of this for many of us. It is not just do this one thing. It is, and, and Jesus, of course, called many different people to many different things based on where they were. But it was follow me and in every season in life, every moment, every day, there is a there will be a unique call for that time. Yeah. Many calls within the overall call to follow me. Yeah. One of the uh, charges of uh, Pastor Reverend Dr. Uh, Amy Butler was at our conversations gathering was to be theologians in, red, in residence for our congregations, right? Make sure that we focus on being those who are who spiritually grounded, who theologically ground what we're doing, um, be so those centers of theological integrity, um, but also to be bolder in proclaiming, this isn't just what I think, or I think, or we should, but to really frame it theologically as, as followers of Jesus Christ, this is our call. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are led to these challenging questions. Or we do this not because we want to win or because we want, but because we are followers of Jesus Christ. And that 
following, that places a call and a claim upon our lives mm. to live, to do, to challenge, to show up, to whatever it is, right? And we have, and I think one of our observations explicitly or implicitly is that many in the mainline Protestant churches have ceded that language of being disciples or being followers mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ to more conservative yeah. and some evangelical churches and the rest of it. And we downplay that piece of it because, well, we're, we don't want to be confused with being a different kind of church. But at its worst, all we're, we're good at just saying we're not that or we're good at saying um, yeah, we'll just kind of leave the Jesus stuff alone because we don't want you to get scared off by that. Mm -hmm. And instead, being far more bold in saying, we are followers of Jesus Christ, and it is because we are followers of mm -hmm. Jesus Christ that we do and believe and say these things. It is not despite it, right? Exactly, yes. Or because we've watered it down to the lowest common denominator, most unobjectionable way of being religious, yeah. and therefore people will like us. It is that being followers of Jesus Christ have led us to these certain, again, claims and calls and yeah. actions and, and ways of being. Yeah. So, um, I love it. Yeah. And I think, at least for us, that'll preach because we're focusing on outreach. We're focusing on what, who are we as a church? Yeah. Why does it matter? Why, do, why does it matter that we extend the call to others? Who is looking for us? Yeah. Uh, wh why does it matter that people know that we're here? Hint, it's not just about institutional survival. Right? No. It, it's not just join us because we're going to die if you don't. It is, we have found something extraordinary here. It's been life-changing, in some cases life-saving, yeah. and we know it can be for, it, it's not everybody. It's not nearly everybody. No. But there are thousands and thousands of people and some of them we're going to be a really good fit for, and they don't know we exist. And I'll say it this way, and as followers of Jesus Christ, we cannot not call out. Exactly. Right? Yep. So, well, now if you listen, now you don't have to come on Sunday because that's pretty much what it was going to be about. <laughs> But you guys are also following following that track, that epiphany-ish season mm -hmm. of baptism and blessing and call and anointing yeah. and all the rest of it. Yeah. It's a, it's a season of beginning. And we get a lot of beginning stories. Yeah, they're fantastic. Yeah. It's it, it's a it's a great alignment with the start of a new year and and uh, and the energy that comes with that. And so uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. But yeah, I'm looking forward to to preaching this this Sunday. There's there's so much energy and uh, meaning in this, again, short passage that I think it'll be fantastic. I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, fun. Here's hoping. Oh, maybe. Yeah, who's, who's to say for sure? <laughs> There's so much time that's going to pass between now and yeah. when it actually happens. <laughs> it could all go horribly that's wrong. About it. <laughs> we're on Friday. By Saturday, we're listening back and it's like, why were we ever so hopeful? <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but we are, so let's leave yeah, it so there let's, before let's we change our minds. Yeah, so let's live into that. Yes, yeah. I, I buy that. All right, anything else for the common good? <laughs> it's nice to be with you all. It's nice to be with you, Aaron. Likewise. Glad you're back. Thanks, Paige. And thank you all for spending this time with us. Till we see you or talk with you again, be well. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.